Good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to see you this morning. Do you guys know what Sunday this is? Psalm Sunday. Okay, so if you have your Bible, we turn into Psalms 119, 161 to 168. We're going to have a conversation this morning really about uh, I would say the tone here is a balance between soberness and desperation. And uh, boy, I think we really need that today. Uh, just some of the things that are happening in the world or some of the situations that we may find ourselves in, we need to have soberness, but also not to the point where I am self-sufficient. I need to also be able to call upon the Lord or look in his word and see what it is that his word has for me. And so there's some encouragement that I hope to give you from this, but we're going to be looking at, like I said, 161 through 168. And if we just read that, it says this, Shin, princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law uh, do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of, the righteous, uh, of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hope for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. And so it is, we want to list focus on this shin here. And uh, hopefully you're probably, you saw an image at some point. Okay, I just wanted to see it just for myself for one <laughs> second. Okay, so now just leave it up here for a minute. So when you're looking at that, the reason that you could hear this pronunciation be slightly different, S-H or just S as in sin, would be where you see that kind of period would either be on the very left or the right, okay? And so shin is when the dot is over the right branch and S, sin, would be when it's over the left branch. And so there are kind of five definitions that I think are kind of important to this. Now, let me just say this. If you're looking these up and you're looking and, you know, for, I mean, it's kind of difficult to find and get agreement amongst scholars is challenging and it's gonna kind of dip into mysticism. So we're not gonna fool with all that, <laughs> okay? We're just gonna, I'm just gonna give you these definitions and then, but I think that these definitions do kind of help to lay out some groundwork for why it is that this stanza is placed where it is, okay? And so of these five definitions, okay, the first is shine, which means tooth or teeth. Okay, then there is a second that would be low uh, shenzi, meaning steadfastness and one's faith. So remember I said that to, uh, to be sober and desperate at the same time. Well, it's kind of interesting that this letter represents that and then the writings that are there also help to support that. It's pretty incredible, right? I mean, obviously God is the author of this book and so that's why it's so interesting. The third is shanoi, which is to change for the good. The fourth is shuvah, which means to return. The fifth is shana, or year. 
So in more detail on the teeth side of things, now, now really hear me here. The teeth obviously is used to break up and grind food, but this action represents individuals who carefully chew over or is careful with their actions. Isn't that interesting? And if you look at that symbol, it kind of looks like teeth. You know, if we turn it upside down. The next being of Shin, or sorry, of, of, of uh, uh, Shinizi, this strength brings us to the next interpretation of the Shin, which is Lo Shinzi, who, he who does not change. This exemplifies the individual who is strong in his faith. Okay, boy, I, I pray that this will be us. There are some interesting things about this symbol. There is one picture, a diagram that I saw that had the heart cut in half and the veins of the heart were actually that, they, they modeled that same pattern. Now, I was gonna show you that, it wasn't gory, it was like a drawing from the 18th or 16th century or something, but just kind of interesting. And even the layout of Jerusalem, in terms of the, you know, the rivers that divide it and these kind of valleys model this pattern. Uh, it was said also, this is just kind of for the Star Trek nerds here, that uh, Spock used that symbol. That's what that is. And so that's something else he was doing because he, his family is, uh, I believe, Ukrainian Jewish descent. And so that's something else for Van would have appreciated that. I know you guys aren't <laughs> nerdy like he is. <laughs> okay, the third definition. Shin also represents the concept of shinoi, which is to change for the good. When a person realizes that he has faults, that he is not perfect in his intellect, understanding and knowledge, or in his thought, speech, and action, and then makes an attempt to improve these qualities. I like that. So much for one letter of the alphabet. What does A mean in English? I don't know. <laughs> and nobody cares, right? <laughs> Number four, this ability to change has a, a direct connection to the concept of Shiva, which means to return, to return to the path of the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So let's say if you got off of your path, and then you would turn to them. And so the, each of those pillars then would represent one of the patriarchs. It's kind of interesting. And there are variations to this where you will see one that on the, let's see if I'm standing, on the left has a crown on top of it. Uh, there's, um, which has then three kind of spikes to it. Uh, there's a fourth version of that that will have four kind of veins off of it. It's also uh, seen as a flame, okay? And representing, I think, when uh, one of the just kind of definitions I was looking at, it really, you know, they, you had to really be careful and sort through what they were kind of talking about. But some of the things they had mentioned was uh, judgment, mercy being in the middle and righteousness on the right side. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. So, I mean, this has great value and importance to in Jewish culture. The fifth definition, throughout every aspect of seasonal change, one must remain steadfast in one's faith in God for that last being a year 
And so all of these changes, and you know how those changes can be. In the winter, there's a season of death. You have the spring, things come up. In summertime, okay, now it's hot, right? And that throughout that, regardless of whatever is going on, that you would maintain your position of faith. So again, then I, I find it, remind you of what I said earlier about this tone of this. For me, I'm just, when I'm looking at this, I'm seeing a balance of soberness and desperation. How can I possibly have a balance of soberness if I'm not steadfast in my faith? There's no way that I'm going to have that. And so we're going to have our kind of key points. They're, they're pretty simple. We'll have some legs to just kind of describe that. But the first thing I want you to write down is the world's communication. And this is, uh, to me, really, when I'm looking at this, and I'm just seeing a communication that is taking place. If you notice, when it says, princes have persecuted me without cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hope for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. So kind of what I want you to write down is there's a communication that takes place from the world. So we're going to look at the world's communication. We're going to look at our communication. And then we're going to look at God's communication. See, the thing that you have to remember just about communication is it's the imparting or exchanging of information or news. So there is some imparting of information that our psalmist is wanting to give us. There is imparting of information that absolutely the world wants to give us. And there is imparting of information that God has given us. We need to find out what those things are. The one thing that I think you will find is there are two things that are constants. And then there's one that's a variable. The two constant things are the things that are the framework of this. The world's communication to us will always be the same. God's communication to us has been the same. And our communication is the one that ends up being the changing variable. But what we want to do is address that. This is the steadfastness that even the very use of this letter is implying. And so... Let's get into it. The world's communication. Here's the thing you should get from this. We should always expect poor communication from the world. We should always expect poor communication from the world. I think right now, especially whether it's your social media or in your families, you know, we have this... Um, all on assault of just ideas. If I disagree with you, I can't even stand to be around you. Our friendship, our brotherhood, all of that is at risk just because we don't agree. It's insane. <laughs> what, I mean, what's happening? So we need to understand something in terms of this word persecute that we see here means to harass, subject to aggressive pressure or intimidation. 
Faith Fellowship. Are we not in a, in a state of that aggressiveness, intimidation, where you just feel like you're being assaulted, just why, whether it's the news or even in conversations with individuals? See, I want you to understand some. Consider the position of the persecutors. They can be leaders of all types, but get this down. Having authority is not a guarantee of righteousness. Having authority is not a guarantee of righteousness. See, this kind of pressure that could come from a prince when you are a king, there is an expectation. The very function of that job is to be outward and to look after one another. If you see them to be selfish, that kind of persecution can feel particularly heavy. And boy, I I know that some of us may feel that way, whether you're talking about bosses at work, state and local government, federal government, whatever, right? Whatever. But I want to encourage you here. Because it'd be very easy to point out, oh, this is a hard time, and yes, it's hard information, and so on and so forth. And we could pretty much spend the rest of this year preaching those messages. And on some level, they're going to have some validity just because we need to be reminded that this is not a cakewalk. But where is my peace going to come from? Let me give you one thing right out the gate. We can take comfort in the fact that the, the mistreatment that we have endured was also done to our Lord. So now, if you somehow thought that because you kind of cute that you were going to avoid trouble, let me just tell you, you're not. <laughs> okay? John 15, 24. If I had not done among them the works which no other man did, they had not, uh, they had, not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. Wow, man. Both hated me and my father, but this coming to pass that the world might be fulfilled that is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. Here our Lord and Savior comes to save the world, to die on the cross, to make sure that now there's no division between man and God. And you, we know, we can just read, the Gospels are full of persecution, running him out of town, wanting to kill him, plots to kill him. And then when they finally got a chance to do it, the utter disrespect on his way to the cross seemed like it went to level 10 at that point. The spitting, the crown of thorns, to give a king a crown and then have it be thorns is utterly disrespectful. That is hatred at the highest level. You will not avoid it in this life. I want you to consider something. Do we consider in the moment, in this time, you were born now. You are old enough to be of mind and be working and have families and all of that. And it's 2022. Do we consider in the moment that God placed us in this situation? Have you ever thought about that? See, a little bit, we kind of think haphazardly, I just ended up in trouble. But maybe the Lord has allowed you to be in this space. So now you see where soberness and desperation meet. Because if I know I'm in the place I'm supposed to be in, when the trouble comes my way, I don't panic. I just deal with it. 
1 Samuel 24, 9 through 15. You guys know this. This is David's encounter with Saul in the cave. And I love this. Don't miss it. In verse 9, it says, And David said to Saul, Where hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee today into my hand in the cave. Do you see that? Okay, it's decision time for David. I can choose righteousness or I can kill Saul because I'm sick of this cat. Right? What'd he say? And some bade me kill thee, but not I spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. And that's why he's King David. Because most of us saw would be a dead man walking. <laughs> right? Man, that's the right heart attitude. You see the opportunity to be foolish, but you don't take it. You now say, okay, I see that this is difficult and I want to respond. I don't like what I heard. I don't like the news that I got. I want to lash out. I want to say this. I want to defend myself, but maybe I'm going to just choose to be quiet. Maybe I'm going to just choose to leave the area, leave the company of this individual. Wait till cooler heads can prevail. See, when you see in this verse here, in verse 61, or 161, he says, but my heart standeth in the awe. This heart highlights the choice we have in response to those things done against us. Psalm 4.4 says this, stand in awe and do what? And sin not. See, that's how soberness gets lived out. It's one thing to say you're sober. But the Lord will surely put you in situations where that will be tested. And let me tell you something. Those tests are for your knowledge. He already knows where you are. This is just so you know you don't have soberness. <laughs> okay? And so, Psalm 4.4, stand in awe and sin not. And then I love it. Listen, commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. You got to be starting something. <laughs> you know where I was going. <laughs> got to be starting something. No, you don't, actually. Michael was not right. <laughs> you don't have to be. You could just be quiet and just let it lie. That doesn't, listen, just your silence in a situation does not necessarily mean weakness. It could be strength. Now, parents have to do this a lot <laughs> because, I'm, you know, kids will get on that last nerve and you fed up. But discipline is necessary. But perhaps discipline with all of that anger that has built up is not the right time to give it. <laughs> right. And so perhaps you revisit it later. We will talk. This is mothers do this all the time. Wait till your dad gets home. It's like, oh, no. I have to ponder what I have done until I see this guy. Please forgive me, mother. Can we make peace <laughs> before the enforcer shows up? <laughs> Praise the Lord if that works in your home. But listen, these kids should respect mom as well. So dads, 
make sure you create an environment that mama doesn't just get talked to any kind of way anyways, whether I'm there or not. Genesis 42, 18, again, on that response to the things done to us, this basically states what our choices are dictated by. And I love it. It's super simple. And Joseph said unto them the third day, this do and live for I fear God. Period. That's it. <laughs> That's the answer. How are you going to respond to this? Do you fear God? Then you better think very long and hard about how it is you're going to respond. Because now this is that variable I was talking about in terms of when the communication done to you, they're trying to give you some information. <laughs> they're imparting that to you. And now what you want to do is match them. And the Lord's going, I don't think so. You think that you don't have a choice in the moment, but you do. All of us do. You know that you got like a small little window. It's like a clock. And sometimes you just like, I ain't doing it. You take the clock and you just go, Bing! and he just like, ah, rage, wrath, ah, hating, you know. <laughs> and then later on, you feel bad about it, you know, and like, Lord, oh, forgive me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to set a match to that house. <laughs> What's wrong with us? <laughs> it's unstable. Not sober. Listen, I'm telling you what's wrong with us. We're not sober. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the spirit, uh-oh, <laughs> let us walk in the spirit. Now, listen, listen, this is, this was when I, the Lord just dropped the gem on me here. See, this always gives us access to the right way, even when we're not led by the spirit initially. Because listen, it says, if I live in the spirit, then I can walk in it. So what if, I, what if I got myself in a bind and my flesh led me there? I could still choose right to get out of it. I don't have to just stay being ignorant and doing the wrong thing. There is a moment of clarity. Hello, somebody. I know you have all been in that case where there is like a moment you go, wait a minute. The Lord is like, he's telling, hey, you better stop. <laughs> stop what you're doing. And now you can be led of the spirit out of that thing. Now, the goal is, obviously, we want to be led of the spirit all the time and that we can kind of avoid the pitfalls. But what if you don't? See, this live in the spirit aspect, though, is only for those that are saved. Because the unsaved don't have this luxury. And that is something that obviously would need to be rectified and just to be at peace with God through the blood, precious blood of Jesus Christ. Then you could be granted that same spirit, but because if not, man, I'm just guessing. And based off of my emotional state, I don't want to leave my emotions to be the decider. Our communication is our next kind of key point we want to look at. We kind of see this from one 62 through 164. We also, you saw earlier in the world's communication in verses 163 and 161, we will both see examples of what they do. But now again, let's look at our communication. And here, get this, the intent of our communication should first be directed at God. The intent 
of our communication should first be directed at God. Let me explain. If we just looked at these very quickly, 162, 163, 164, notice something. He says, I rejoice at thy word. At the end of 163, he says, but thy law do I love. In 164, he says, I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. See, that communication, listen, if you don't have that right between you and the Lord, how are you ever to be in right fellowship with anybody else? If I don't rejoice at his word, then how can I rejoice with anybody else? If it's a struggle and I don't really enjoy it or it makes me sleepy or I'm bored with it, I think it's archaic or false or whatever. If I bring any of that to the table, where is the joy going to come from? I'm going to try to manufacture it? Not at all. See, this rejoice here means to be glad. And I want to just put in your head, remember that first definition about eating and that shine would be like teeth. Okay, listen to this verse. Jeremiah 15, 16, thy words were found and I did eat them. The Bible, home run every time. Such a cool book. Thy words were found and I did eat them. So what happens if I eat it? Then I consume it. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. See, this reminds me of that earlier definition. Like we said, we should seek God's word like nourishment and then consume it. Only then will we be satisfied. If you are seeking satisfaction, it's going to only come from the word of God. Everything else will fall short. Everything else has fallen short. Just be honest. Be honest. You set your heart out to do that career. You've accomplished everything in it, and you are still bored to death. They don't care. It doesn't pay enough. Because it's an empty thing. But if God's word becomes something that I can eat on and then consume it, and that thing gets in me and starts changing what my purpose is, oh boy, then satisfaction really shows up. See, I want to I give you a warning though, because as much as we see here a rejoicing in the word and a one that findeth great spoil. Now, when we see spoil, let me just give you a warning. All gain is not good. Okay. All gain is not good. This is something that trips up the believer quite often because you can get involved in things. You're like, Oh, this is working out for me. God must be in it. You just setting yourself up for trouble. Let me give you these maybe to help set guidelines and boundaries for you to be able to rightly divide what is good gain and what is gain you need to flee from. Proverbs 16, 19, better is it to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. See, I always want to be in awe of whatever it is that I get from the Lord. 
not something I manufactured myself. Cause then that's going to bring that pride on. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. See what I did. No, thank you. Isaiah nine, three, thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. Notice that there is joy tied to the gain. Okay. So you can have it all and still be unsatisfied. Do you see that? What else does it say? They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. Farmers, hard work, everybody, yeah, American flag, eagles, B-52s coming over the shoulder while it's crop dusting. Yeah, so what? <laughs> right? Like, so what? Because, listen, except the Lord had a broad rain, that farmer would have nothing. So I, it's easy for me to redirect. Oh, Lord, no, actually, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. You gave me the seed, the whole idea, photosynthesis. Uh, I can't, I can't do that, right? Except you move, I'm, I'm toast. And then what else does it say? And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. See, I don't, I don't want that. The greatest gain we can have are the ones revealed to us by God. I'm just telling you. Whatever it is that the Lord has for you, you want that. You want to seek that out. You want to find where that is. And you want to start in his word. That's where that's going to start. This is why we constantly preach to you guys about being, you know, being a member and then COD and D1 and foundations two and three and LFBI. Why? Because we want to teach you what the word of God says so that you know it for yourself. Man, these are, these are difficult days ahead that we are kind of in right now, just the uncertainty of a lot of things. And how do you get that soberness? Man, what does the word of God say? What are the promises that God's word say about you? Do you know why our viewpoint is that we are uh, pre-trib? Have you actually researched that yourself? Maybe you should. That way you don't make bunkers for no reason. And store up all the water, all the food, <laughs> all the guns, all the toilet paper. Because we need it. Every people need it. You don't need the 100,000 rolls. I don't understand. <laughs> Thank you, Farrell. That is absolutely true. <laughs> okay. So. In terms of that greatest gain we have of the ones revealed to us by God. Well, we're back on this world's communication. I, I need to give you these as well. So remember in 163, he says, I hate and abhor lying. So that hate, now listen, we got to do our proper due here. It is important first and foremost to see what God hates. Okay. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says this, these six things that the Lord hate, could it be any clearer? <laughs> Yea, even seven are an abomination to him. Oh, man, we just ratcheted it up. A proud look. Man, we saw that earlier. <sighs> a lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet. Boy, I hope this, please somebody be listening. Feet that be swift and running to mischief. Mm. 
a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Why is it important? Because I don't want to hate anything that God doesn't hate already. That's why. Let God define those things for you. There are a lot of things that we will just casually throw out. Oh, I hate this and you hate that and you just. The Lord said, I wish you hated the sin in your life. <laughs> see, when we see a boar here, that means to detest. But I want to point out something to you. See, the world detests something also. In Amos 5.10, it says, they hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. See, that's that worldly communication. You worried about uh, your, uh, maybe your friends, your likes going down? Uh, they will when the gospel is coming out of your mouth. When you're inviting people to church and Bible study and the ladies, like, man, ladies, whoever lady is not a part of that, you are missing out. My house is packed to the hilt. So much, I leave every night. I'm like, I got to get out of here. I can't even be in my own house. There, everywhere I turn, there's a lady. I'm like, man, okay, I'm out. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. But man, it blesses my heart. It blesses my heart to see. I'm glad to leave in Jesus' name out of my own house. <laughs> You want to come by, be a part of that. Fill it up. There's another corner. Just squeeze into it. <laughs> it's going to be a little hot. <laughs> you know, you'll be all right. But listen, that speaketh uprightly. See, we don't want to get off of the, of the lingo and the verbiage that we ought to be saying. Thus saith the Lord. That's what we should say. See, this is why you need the word of God, or else you're going to try to mingle it in with your wisdom and what sounds spiritual and no, it's all wrong at that point. See, the world doesn't mind that, but they absolutely abhor when you speak it uprightly. See, lying here, we got to get some wisdom on this lying. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived, evil communications do what? They corrupt good manners. Okay, so now the thing that I have said now is starting to affect how I act. Understand that they are linked. This is why you can't fake it. In keeping with that, in Luke 6.45, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So, you know, if you get in the habit, you and your spouse, you and somebody that, you know, perhaps you're dating of being just sending vitriol back and forth to each other, just horrible, ugly word. And then you're like, oh, I was in the heat of my, I'm sorry. Da, 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 da. No, that's where your heart actually is. Again, these are discoveries for you to know. The Lord already knows where you at. But sometimes we like to uh, trick ourselves into thinking that we're in a better spot than we actually are. And the Lord goes, oh, no. <laughs> Let me put a little light on that. Okay. So out of the abundance of the heart, the speakers, so that's the world's communication. That's the abundance of their heart, guys. 
this nonsense that we just hear constantly going back and forth, this hatred back and forth that is just happening in the world, that is the abundance of their heart. So obviously the answer would not be to respond to them in the same way that they're giving it back, right? But man, we fall victim to that. We fall in that trap. Verse 164 says, seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Those seven times should be understood that they mean those literally. In Psalm 55, 17, it says, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. That was to mean twice in the morning before reading the Decalogue and once after, twice in the evening after the same reading and then twice after for a total of seven. He meant that. This is not just something he's saying uh, uh, hyperbolic or hyperbole. He's saying it like, I, I mean this. And with these righteous judgments, we must consider that the psalmist is viewing God's judgments as righteous, righteous based off of these two ideas. Number one, that they come from God. You're like, duh. No, listen, <laughs> that has great value in David's mind. It should for us as well, but yet I find even guilty, right? Like just sometimes the way you see the word is just not, you don't hold it up like it is the very words of God. It's like, well, you know, I'm good. I got enough of it. Deuteronomy 4.8. And what nation, listen, this, I wish that we could say this. And I don't mean in terms of America. I'm just saying just like on our heart and, and just the way that we can make it more local. And what nation is there so great that has statues and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day? Man, would it be that if the church actually lived out what it is that the Lord wrote out, that we could actually say that? But just like Israel... <laughs> They didn't get it, and we don't either. They don't appreciate it fully, and we don't either. We're in the same boat. But that is a principle for David that was more important. He understood the beauty of what it is that God had given him. It came from him. And now you've given me that? What? That's insane. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to follow it. Number two, they are true. Psalm 19.9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are what? True and righteous altogether. See, listen, there's something very beautiful about the word of God is that I essentially, I can just have this viewpoint that says, man, this is truth. If I'm going to choose to live by it, then I'm saying, okay, this is, this is the absolute word of God. It's truth. Like very simply. This is why I can title this and say that, man, I can give praise for something that's righteous because, well, it's true and it comes from you. I'm good. Great peace, verse 165, have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them in that when we're talking about that great peace there, see, there is an effect. You have to understand something to biblical communication in us. Proverbs 3.1, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. 
Boy, you want to lengthen your days? Obey the, obey the word of God. Now, sometimes you definitely want to tell your kids that please obey. I'm trying to help you to stay alive because I want to kill you. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so sometimes, you know, you have to remind them. But like, quite honestly, if they would obey, that wouldn't be a question. It wouldn't be a statement you'd have to make. It'd also be true when they grow up and get older and start doing reckless things and have encounters with the law. Unfortunately, we are burying people who have not made that true of their heart and because they don't obey the laws of the land that the Lord also has ordained. They find themselves gone, right? This is the tragedy of the days that we live in. We just get to see foolishness abound and people just recklessly keep going after it. And the Lord says, man, come on. I've given you something true from me. First John two, three. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And he saith, I know him and keep not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. See, the first part of this says, and hereby we do know him if we keep his commandments. There is a implication of relationship there. See, the other aspect of this in terms of that communication, it has a benefit for us is that I can be in the right relationship with him. And I want to very much have a heart that's like this. And so for these last two verses, you know, is God's communication. And while you're reading it, you may struggle to even see it. If I just read them to you again, it says, my soul have kept thy testimonies and I love them exceedingly. And I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. But let me just be clear of something. No matter the dispensation, God has communicated his heart to us. No matter what the dispensation is, this helps you to understand something that a lot of times that just like those Galatians would be wrestling with somehow that, oh, there's an advantage because these cats are Jewish, as if somehow the Lord has left the Gentiles hanging. Uh, he has not. He has not. And so what, thing, what things there are then of comfort to me? Well, I'll just tell you, when you're looking at them, it would be his testimonies and his precepts. That's his communication to us. His testimony his precepts. When we're looking at this, my soul have kept thy testimonies. Boy, this has an implication of eternal value. In John 14, 21, he says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And Judas said to him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest, manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which he hears not mine, but the father's which sent me. Don't miss the fact that there is a relationship and a peace that happens between not only you and Christ, but you and the Father. Now, let's understand something as we're looking at this. That doesn't mean that I can just be a do-gooder and make God happy. 
Amen. Okay, so I have to be that I have put my trust on the name of Jesus Christ and his finished work at the cross and the fact that he is resurrected. See, that is a finished work. So now when I believe on the name of Jesus Christ, it's like, oh, I basically kind of just skipped the line at the DMV, so to speak. I was at the back. Now I'm at the front. And they're taking my papers and it worked out and I didn't forget one. They didn't tell me to go home and then bring it back. <laughs> I see that happen. It's terrible. <laughs> but you see what I mean? There's something about the name of Jesus in terms of what he's done and this sacrifice that he made for, for us on the cross. And essentially by the power of his being resurrected and being alive and sitting at the throne that he can hold you in such a way that nobody can take you out of his hand. See, that's the kind of abode that I want. Well, I already, I got that. Praise the Lord, I got that. I'm good. See, I, I want to be able to say, though, at the end that I hear from the Lord, well done, because I kept those testimonies. And I love, back to the spirit, like we said in Romans 7.22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, it's after the inward man. See, I got to be a saved man to even have an inward man. Lost men don't have inward men. They just have flesh. And that's corrupt. And so I'm, I, my position of delighting needs to come from the spirit, not from me trying harder. That doesn't work. This is the thing that in terms of keeping these testimonies, man, thank God that I'm kept by Jesus Christ. And now I freely get to have purpose and be a part of his work and minister, share the gospel, invite, be used, make disciples, right? It has nothing to do with how capable I am. One sixty-eight. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. And on these precepts here, don't miss this, Psalm 19.8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens the eyes. Man. See, I, I'm, my question really on the floor this morning is, do you see the word at all like that? Or has it been a struggle? And listen, you, you can have those times when the word of God maybe just feels a little dry to you. Or, but I think the real thing is now you have to just start having a more deeper dialogue. It's not just the word. It's something shutting you off, disconnected. Maybe you're too connected to the world. Maybe you're trying to blend the communication. You got too much of the world's communication. And you've lost the intention of your heart to be directed back to him. And so now what you're doing is just responding back and forth to one another. Listen, I'm telling you, if we are to be sober in these uncertain days, it has to be that the word of God is the thing that is on our heart. I have to see and view that properly. And so, obviously, I mentioned earlier that we can't fake it. Let me just leave you with these warnings. In Job 34, 21, it says, for his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings, unlike Superman, who cannot see through lead, 
the Lord can see. Jeremiah 23, 24, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord, do not I feel the heaven and the earth? Saith the Lord. See, David's position, no matter what these individuals were doing, he always found something to grab on, a handle to get him through life and gave him his peace back. So now listen, I'm telling you this morning, that's what's on the table for you. Some need to make a choice about whether they're going to stand with Christ or not. Do they believe actually that Jesus Christ is who he said he is and did what he did? Some need to just become a member and just start being a part of what we're doing here. And so the challenge on the floor is this, is that if your view of the word of God, whether it is because you don't know the Lord or because you know the Lord and maybe just living carnally, listen, remember I said, you can always, you can always start over. Clean slate, just let the Lord do that this morning. Join us, be a part of what we're doing here in fellowship. And man, let's look at the word properly and allow it to be something we can rejoice over. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, for the word this, this morning, Lord. And I just pray that we would just consider uh, what it is that we heard and really that we would just have a right view of your word and that we would consider um, its authority, its impact on our lives. It has eternal weight. It's my peace. It's something that I can love. I can rejoice. I can give praise and, and declare it to others. Father, help us in these days to not just listen to all the ugliness that we hear and that it fills our heart. Lord, I pray it is your word that would do that. And Lord, we're not going to try harder. We know that we can't, we can't measure up. That's not the goal here. But Lord, I pray in humility that we would just simply say, Lord, I need help. And that whatever, in whatever way that help needs to be administered, the Lord, that, um, that people would just humble themselves and, and, and ask. And so, Father, have your way in this place. Be with us for the rest of our time together today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.